News Salt and Light Hour from Houston, Texas. I'm Deacon Pedro. Today we are taping our program at the with the radio ministry at the Chancery of the Archdiocese of Galveston, Houston, and we're very excited to be here. Um, I'm in Houston doing a project with the University of St. Thomas, and so today we're going to learn all about the university, and we'll get a chance to meet some of the faculty, staff, and students. All that is coming up, but we are going to begin, as we do always, by giving away a prize, actually three prizes. Our featured artist last week was Amanda Vernon, and she very graciously offered to give away copies of her new album, Acoustic Collection, to three of our listeners. Listen. And so our winners are Ken Miller of Tannytown, Maryland, Caleb Martin of Beaverton, Ontario, and Diane Miles, we're not sure where Diane is from, but all of you have won copies of Amanda Vernon's Acoustic Collection. If you haven't already done so, please contact us so we can get you your prize. And for the rest of you, remember, winning a prize is really easy. All you have to do is go to saltandlighttv.org slash radio, enter your name and your email address where it says, stay connected for a chance to win weekly prizes. You can also see there who our previous winners are in case you missed it. So... Coming up, a portrait of a Catholic university and being Catholic in Texas. Also, a featured conversation with Sister Damien Marie Savino. She's a Franciscan sister of the Eucharist who is also an environmentalist. So that's in our second half hour. And our featured artist of the week is local Texan singer-songwriter Ben Apollinar. We're going to be speaking with Ben in about 45 minutes. But we begin with a song. Here's Ben Apollinar with Breaking My Heart from his latest album, Firm. Never heard you cry, little baby, but I love you. Held you in my arms for a moment and I loved you. You're my shiny little star, just the way you are. Heaven holds the key to my heart. We're only two worlds apart. Just when I was getting to know you Just when you were more than a twinkle in my eye You came and went Leaving me with so much more than I knew could be Time in the Lord will help this healing start But it's breaking my Time in the Lord. 
St. Thomas is one of the prime Catholic universities in the United States. It was founded by the Brazilian Fathers in 1947 and offers 36 undergraduate and 10 graduate programs. But to tell us more, I am now joined by Provost and Vice President for Academic Affairs of the University of St. Thomas, Houston, Dr. Dominic Aquila. Dominic, it's so good to have uh, to be here in Houston and to have you in our program. Well, well thank you, Pedro, and thank you so much for having us here today. So I have to first ask you, what, what is a provost? Uh, sorry. <laughs> provost is one of those uh, academic titles that actually has its roots in, in the church. But it means different things in different uh, universities and colleges. For St. Thomas, it means essentially that I'm the uh, dean of deans. Um, and that I am the uh, second in command to uh, the president, Dr. Ivany, and help him coordinate all of the internal efforts to, to make a university run. Right. So you're 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 up there somewhere. Uh, yeah, up there, but hopefully never too far. Uh, you know, many times when you have these sort of administrative positions. Uh, there's no time for teaching, and I love teaching, so I always make it a point to teach at least one course every year. Right. So, University of St. Thomas, it, it looks like it's a liberal arts school. What's what's unique about it? That's true. Um, there, what's unique about St. Thomas is not only that it's a liberal arts, but that the liberal arts are also uh, well embedded in the Catholic intellectual tradition. Now, that's a word or a phrase that you often hear. Uh, this Catholic intellectual tradition. Yeah. What it means is that students uh, inherit, and we teach them, the, you know, what great men and women in our tradition have thought, not only about theology, but most importantly about how theology and Catholic faith relates to everything in the world. You know, we are with St. Paul. Uh, we test everything and hold fast to what is good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So a liberal arts means that we we look at everything and we interpret it from 
not just a Catholic point of view, but most importantly from a human point of view. So is it fair to say, because I think the first time I met you six years ago, you said this to me, a Catholic education is a liberal arts education. It is. It is. Yeah, I mean, it, everything we do in education today finds its root in the Catholic Church. I mean, when uh, there's a famous uh, document that Pope John Paul II, St. Paul John Paul yes. II, yes. happily, uh, he wrote called Ex Corde Ecclesiae, uh-huh. which means out of the heart of the church, mm-hmm. referring to universities. Mm-hmm. So no matter what form a university takes today, it has its origins in, in the church. Right. Now, it's not just a liberal arts school with good academics, I, I, I guess. It's All also a very Catholic identity. I mean, there are faculty who are priests, faculties who are sisters. Mm-hmm. That's correct. And, and even, you know, with our laity, uh, everyone we have at the University of St. Thomas is committed to the mission of the university, mm-hmm. which is essentially what I've been saying is that right. we teach everything in the context of uh, Catholic liberal arts thinking. So what does it mean to have a Catholic identity on campus? Uh, it means that it's, I think, visibly for many people, it's you come to our campus and one of the iconic structures is our chapel. Uh, right, Basel. yeah, it's beautiful chapel. Iconic. Yes. It's, it's a destination point for many people. It's the architect was the great Philip Johnson. Uh, and so there are things like that. You know, are you having mass, uh, the sacraments, uh, student life? You know, the values of of, of, of Catholicism, uh, the abilities to make human friendships, a great diversity among our students that signifies and represents the diversity of Catholic Church. And those are the visible signs. But then, you know, what happens academically is also very important. Mm-hmm. You know, what what how. How do you think about the relationship between science and faith? Yeah. That's something we tackle head on. Yeah. And we're going to get a chance to meet some of the students and, 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 and at least one more faculty. So that's very exciting. I can't let you go, and I hope I'm not putting you on the spot, but I know that you, are a com- you have a large Catholic family. Yes. And your children are or have been at some point homeschooled. So, but you're a provost mm-hmm. at a university. So maybe I don't want to make this about a, you know encouraging homeschooled kids. You can get into the University of St. Thomas, which you can. Mm-hmm. But how do you uh, bring those two together? Well, uh, it's it's actually very organic for for us. And we, Diane, my wife, and I have eleven kids. Um, the oldest is twenty nine, and they go down every two years to a ten year old. Many of them are graduates or attending St. Thomas. Yeah. Uh, but the key for us is, that, and this all happened very naturally, uh, right on our campus, every Friday, my wife uh, has built up a tutorial um, collective of parents who homeschool. We have now close to 70 families really? that, it, that come to the campus every Friday. Many of them go on to attend classes either uh, as dual enrolled students mm-hmm. or matriculated students. Yeah. But the homeschooling students, because they take seriously, and parents take seriously because they're doing it themselves, what mm-hmm. education is, of course. it perfectly conforms to the seriousness with which, and joy, we're not so serious that we're ever glum. You know, right. like the right. Pope says, you know, we don't want the sour pusses. No. Uh, we are joyfully Catholic, but yeah. we, we, you know, we attack it with great verve and vigor. Yeah, yeah. I guess it means that you're investing in your children's education the way all parents should. Yes, yes. Yeah. And that's what homeschooling means. Yeah. It means the, taking seriously the primacy of the responsibility of yeah. parents. Okay, in 30 seconds, you get you get to give the university a plug. So anybody who's out there considering Catholic University, why should they come to Houston? 
Well, Houston is the fourth largest city in the United States. We are the only Catholic university in it. And Houston is growing uh, phenomenally. I the mean, church is growing. I the church, is, that, the yes. church parishes are opening. Uh, every movement in the church, every lay movement, you find it all here. It's a powerfully exciting place to be, and we're very fortunate to be in the middle of it. Yeah, and, and it's a great university. Um, Dominic Aquila, thank you so much for being with us today. This is great. I'm, I'm so glad to be in Houston. I love this city, um, and it's a great university, and you're doing great work. Pedro, it's always a pleasure, and thank you so much for, uh, for being here with me today. Dr. Dominic Aquila is the Provost and Vice President for Academic Affairs at the University of St. Thomas, Houston. Hi, I'm Amanda Vernon, and you're listening to the Salt and Light Hour with Deacon Pedro. You can podcast our show for free at saltandlighttv.org slash radio. Visit us there and stay connected with us for a chance to win weekly prizes. Now, it's my sense that Texas is a fairly pro-life state. I don't know, I just get that feeling as states go. And, and you would assume that it's fairly easy to be pro-life in a Catholic university. To tell us more, I'm now joined by a student, Samantha Garcia. She was the president of the University Pro-Life Group, Kelts for Life, at the University of St. Thomas. Samantha, welcome to the program. Thank you. So, pro-life. You've always been pro-life? Well, um, by the name pro-life, yes. But up until I came to the University of St. Thomas, I don't really think I understood completely what being pro-life actually meant. So what happened? Was there something about what you were learning in theology, all that, that or philosophy that made you change your mind? Um, definitely. Um, it's definitely a topic that's incorporated into some of our classes sometimes, yeah. um, which is surprising because you wouldn't normally think of talking about abortion in one of your classes. But, yeah. um, but it comes up. And uh, when I joined the club as a freshman, uh-huh. uh, I, I learned so much, and the people right. were just so welcoming and so amazing. So it's a pro-life club. What do you do? Well, we that's <laughs> a legitimate question. Yeah, no, what do you do? Do you uh, education? Do you promote? Yes, we actually we have meetings every other week, and they're mainly educational, but sometimes we branch off into like more specific topics such mm-hmm. as um, living with disabilities right. and like the dignity of life and topics such as that. Um, we've volunteered at pregnancy, Christ's Pregnancy Centers. Right. We've volunteered at Brookwood Community Center, uh-huh. which is um, a center for adults with functional disabilities. Right. Um, we try to do stuff on campus, try to educate mm-hmm. the students on campus. Right. Uh, we've also hosted baby showers for students. We've done baby supply drives. Yeah. Um, a lot of stuff like that. We, we really try to be active. I'm glad that you did your that you met today. I don't know if you know, we're recording the show on Thursday, May 8th, and today it's the March for Life in Canada. So on Thursday, May 8th, 20,000 people are marching in Ottawa for life. And I'm glad that you mentioned a lot of people, you know, we think pro-life is all about abortion, but it's not. We celebrate, we celebrate all life. Yes, definitely. So I'm glad that you're, you're talking about not just the unborn, but also the disabled, mm-hmm. the elderly. Um, it's a Catholic university. Do you encounter, and not all the students are Catholic, and not that all Catholics are pro-life, I guess, but do you encounter, uh, you know, uh, students who disagree with you? Yes, definitely. How does that that go? Um, It actually goes pretty well. Being on such a small campus, it's actually hard trying to get people to to talk with us because they just automatically assume, oh, they're Catholic, they're pro-life, they don't don't want to talk to us. Okay, so it's a small campus, everybody knows who you are. Yes, exactly. (laughs) There goes the pro-life girl. 
Yes, exactly. Yeah. So when we have, you know, tables outside, the one event we do is called Fetal Development Day. Mm-hmm. And so we have tables with the nine months of pregnancy out, and we have pe- a person, at least one person at each table. So you just talk to people, let them know what happens with the development of the, the baby in the womb, um, and just yeah. talk to them. And so that, that seems to be a pretty good event. Um, but again, it's really hard just trying to get people to talk to us about it. But there actually have been times when, um, there was one time actually recently where a student uh, got my contact information and wanted to interview me about a paper that she was writing on one of her classes. And um, she actually ended up being very Mm pro-choice. But we were able to sit down and have a civilized conversation about it and really just talk about it. Yeah, go figure. We can talk. Yeah, whoa. (laughs) Now, you're an engineering major. You're transferring to Texas A&M. Yes, It's not a Catholic university. No, it's not. You're still going to be pro-life. How do you think that's going to go? I'm actually really excited. That that might kind of be a shocker, but I, I love talking to people about the subject, yeah. and I just really want people to know the truth. That's really all that it's about, and yeah. I just I just I love them, and I want them to know the truth. And so I'm I'm really excited to be able to talk to people that might not agree with me, and uh, absolutely just to have conversations about it Is because it, people are scared to talk about topics like that. Yeah, they are because we don't have the words. We don't. We're not empowered to talk about it. Uh, is there a pro-life group at A and M? Do you know? Yes, the pro-life Aggies. Nice. Yes. And sometimes those groups, I not nothing against what you're doing at University of St. Thomas, but mm-hmm. sometimes those are more effective because it's a secular university. Yes. Yeah. I so agree. I'm, I'm lots really of work excited. to do. Definitely. Good. <laughs> we're gonna have to connect with you a couple years from now, two years from now, yeah, and you're a senior and see yes. how it, how's it going. <laughs> Anyway, Samantha, thank you for joining us today. Thank, thank you, you so for, much for having for me. For doing what you do and keep keep working at it, and we're going to keep on in, keep you in our prayers. So thank you. So you can evangelize their uh, the Catholic state, uh, Catholic station, Texas <laughs> college so station. College station. <laughs> Samantha Garcia is a junior in the engineering program. Uh, she served as president for the Celts for Life Student Club at the University of St. Thomas in Houston. Hi, this is Josh Blakesley, and you are listening to the Salt and Light Hour with Deacon Pedro. I'm Deacon Pedro. You can also find me on Facebook. Just look for Deacon Pedro and follow me on Twitter at Deacon Pedro GM. Now, not to deceive you, because the University of St. Thomas is not just just liberal arts, although it is a liberal arts school. There's also athletics. There's also uh, uh, medicine. Uh, biology, sciences, and, and to talk a little bit about that right now, I'm joined by Jason Taffet. He's a junior in the pre-med biology program. He's also the goalkeeper of the men's soccer team. Jason, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you for having me. So, you want to be a doctor? Yes. Um, since middle school, I guess I've wanted to be a doctor. My dad's a doctor, and it seems like a wonderful way to help people. Um, it's interesting, always changing. And it just seems like a yeah awesome so way to spend your life. Since you've been a kid, you wanted to be a doctor. But since you've been a kid, you've been playing soccer. As well. You're on a soccer scholarship. Correct. So how do you how do you bring soccer and medicine? How do you put those two it's together? Actually, it's fairly difficult. I mean, just because of the time commitment oh, yeah. both require. Um, but one thing that's been really helpful is my coach um, was a biology major and wanted to do a similar path that I did. So he understands okay. the uh, commitment to school and classes so mm-hmm. it's a lot of work to figure out before the season when our games are when our practices are and schedule classes around that right um, i mean i'm not I'm, both are my jobs so uh-huh. um, but 
it works. I, it works well if you just plan ahead, and that's what I've, it's really helped me actually become more organized. And, yeah, and, this, I guess and, it's important for. Oh, of to, course, to you're right. Organized. Right. <laughs> um, do you uh, tell me a bit about the soccer team? It, it's a fairly new program. Yeah, so the program is about seven, eight years old, um, and we're in the NAIA uh, conference, which is it's separate from NCAA, but it's, right. it's for smaller schools. But for soccer, it's uh, makes it very competitive because there's not as many restrictions mm-hmm. compared to NCAA. So we have people from all over the world in our team. In your, in your team at the university? Yes. England, Jamaica, really? um, Venezuela, yeah. Trinidad, all over. Good. Um, so I've met, you know, Brazil, I've met so many guys that are cultures and all these mm-hmm. uh, interesting people that I never would have met if, I, if we didn't have that. So And, and, and because soccer's put all over the world, all these guys are right. great, great players and it makes, it's awesome. If you had to choose, play soccer, be a doctor. <laughs> that's hard that's really hard um, actually my friends are teasing about that because yeah I mean I love both that's that's such that's such a hard thing I think I'll probably I mean I'll end up being a doctor I guess yeah, I you can't to. play soccer forever I could, exactly yeah um, and I think yeah you have your body has a much more of a time limit yeah. on that yeah compared to how do you find and, and, and this might be a stereotype because I know I mean I know committed Catholics who are professional athletes. Mm-hmm. Um, do you find that difficult, being, you know, a, a committed Catholic, practicing your faith, but being in this sort of sports world that maybe is promoting other things? In a sense, yes. Um, that's, for the most part, that's not that common in, with the team and what I've seen. You know, there's... there's well, yes, it is a team in a Catholic university, right, yes. Right, uh, A lot of guys are not Catholic on the team. No. Um, very, very few are, but um, everyone's very respectful of it. Everyone understands, and there's um, a sense of, like, brotherhood that mm-hmm. the team just builds, and that, that almost laid the foundation for right. for further things. So, example, we have a Bible study of just our team. Really? Um, that's fairly new as well. A guy started it uh, a couple months ago. Really? And guys that aren't Catholic have never, you know, been really interested in faith or religious things in their life attend regularly just because of the the brotherhood of the team that they're mm-hmm. they're part of um, yeah. and that, that you know kind of calls them into it yeah um, but for me personally I think that the the, the sports help um, with my faith just because it's another way to um, demonstrate like what God has given me and us and and to really show through hard work like what mm-hmm. what you can accomplish and yeah. what, um, that you're blessed and that's good that's good advice and I guess it's also good advice to know that um, you can come to the, a Catholic university like the University of St. Thomas and, and, and be involved in athletics sports it doesn't have to Absolutely. be all I mean certainly ac- biology is academics but it doesn't have to be just academics. Jason, we have to leave it there. But thank you for, for coming to talk to us today, sharing a little bit about what you do in your life. Thank you very much. Jason Taffet is a junior pre-med biology major at the University of St. Thomas, Houston. He's also the goalkeeper of the university's men's soccer team. Hi, this is Gretchen Harris, and you're listening to the Salt and Light Hour with Deacon Pedro. Send us your comments via Facebook, facebook.com slash slradio1. You can also email us at radio at saltandlighttv.org.
Now, many people wonder, going to a Catholic university, how Catholic the university is, and that is often measured by its campus ministry. So I'm joined now by one of the students who works in campus ministry at the University of St. Thomas, Christine, Christine Wynn. Christine, welcome to the show. Thank you. So what does it mean, what does campus ministry do? What um, do you do in campus ministry? Well, campus ministry mainly focuses on um, everything with the chapel. Uh, okay. We, well, I, as a student worker, I help Father Mike, the chaplain uh-huh. and director of campus ministry um, with everything that goes on in the chapel. Um, so liturgies mainly? Yeah, liturgies, and sometimes we have people coming in for weddings or um, okay. certain events that goes on with campus ministry. Okay, so it's not just uh, these weddings. These are not students that are getting married, I hope. Um, well, weddings, weddings are mainly for um, faculty members okay. or alum or sometimes even students. <laughs> yeah. So it's, yeah. it's only reserved for those um, okay. certain people. Okay. Because you would think... You would think that it's a Catholic university, so why do you need campus ministry? Because it's already a Catholic university. So how, how does that work? I feel like campus ministry, is um, it reaches out to the students. Mm-hmm. Even though it is a, ca- um, a Catholic university, it's really important to reach out to the students and try to hone in on their faith life. And um, Because sometimes I know in, in college, students can, you know, break away from their faith. Right. But um, with ca- with campus ministry, it's really good because um, we have like you know a lot of events for the students, can, mm-hmm. so so they can we can like you know engage them in and right. um, things so, like. So you would be doing the same things that any campus ministry in uh, any secular university would be doing. Um, what do you think, or is it different because it's a Catholic university? I think it's I think it's different because. Um, I don't know. I don't know how secular um, yeah, universities yeah, right. work, but I know that with with our campus ministry, we hold uh, we have you know retreats, and then we okay. have things like um, we're starting more praise and worship um, on campus. We have the chapel, so we we use it to our advantage yeah, yeah. with the students too. Yeah, um, you are a psychology major. Yes, with a minor in theology. How do we bring theology and psychology together? What is the how do you think that's going to work? Being a psychologist, presumably you want to be a psychologist. Yeah. yeah. Why does a psychologist need to know theology? Well, I wanted to um, go into psychology because I was really interested in, um, you know, just the subject itself. Mm-hmm. But as a Catholic, I knew that you know the psychology field doesn't really have a lot of Christian or Catholic counselors. Yeah. Okay. So I really want to go into like Catholic counseling or family uh, marriage and family. Um, right. Yeah. Okay. So um, it wasn't until my sophomore year that I really figured out what I wanted uh, to do mm-hmm. in um, for my future. No, sorry. Is this beca- uh, maybe I should point out uh, every student at the university, no matter what they're majoring in, has to take theology. Is that correct? Yes. So, because would you, would you have taken theology had that not been the case? I think I would you have. Would've? Yeah. yeah. Um, I, I was really influenced by. Um, my friends and uh, family members who have gone to um, St. Thomas before, yeah. so I've gotten advice from you know, mm-hmm. pre- like peers and family yeah. members who have previously been yeah. at St. Thomas. Interesting. Interesting. Um, uh, we do need Catholic uh, counselors, psychologists out there. Let, before I let you go, I, I heard that. So you're Vietnamese. Yes. 
Wynn is your last name. N G U Y E N. Yes. Um, I've heard that you have some uh, famous relatives. I do. Saints. <laughs> the oh, martyrs that's that right. Part of I your do. family. Oh, well, you <laughs> forgot. Well, I mean, we don't talk about it every day, <laughs> but. Uh, uh, it was actually, um, I actually found out recently, too, um, about maybe a couple of years ago, but um, it was actually at my grandfather's funeral right. that it was brought up because Sister Damien, um, yes. she, <laughs> yeah, she, she attended the, uh, the wake. We have lots of, lots of saints on your team. Um, Christine, we have to leave it there, but thank you so much thank for sharing you for having a me. little bit of what you do. Christine Wynn is a senior at the University of St. Thomas. She's pursuing a psychology major with a minor in theology. You're listening to a special edition of the Salt and Light Hour from Houston, Texas. We're taping this program thanks to the wonderful support of the radio ministry, uh, the Archdiocesan Radio Ministry here in the Archdiocese of Galveston, Houston. Coming up in the second half hour, Catholic environmentalism and a featured chat with singer-songwriter Ben Apollon. So don't go anywhere. Hello and welcome to part two of a special edition of the Salt and Light Hour from Houston, Texas. I'm Deacon Pedro. Now, as I mentioned at the top of the show, one of the reasons, or the reason why I'm in Houston is because I'm working on a special project with the Environmental Science and Studies Department of the University of St. Thomas. One of the programs uh, that the university offers in their Faculty of Sciences is Environmental Sciences. Um, but it's not your typical Environmental Science or Studies program that you would find even in a Catholic university. And to tell us all about it, I'm now joined by Sister Damien Marie Savino. She is the chair of the Environmental Science and Studies Department. Sister Damien, welcome to the show. Thank you, Deacon Pedro. So what's unique? What's so special about your program? Well, I think the um, being that we're at a Catholic liberal arts university mm-hmm. and all of our students are taking philosophy and theology, they're getting that sort of worldview of the Catholic intellectual tradition. But then we have certain courses, so all of our majors take uh, theology of creation class. Okay. And there we can look at the intersection of environmental science, which we're training them in that professional field, but then also theology. What are the implications? What are the causes of the ecological crisis? And what what can we do about it from a Catholic perspective? Okay, can you talk a little bit more about that? Uh, I was going to ask you, what does theology have to do with environmental science? Or maybe the other way around, what does environmental sciences have to do with theology, and I'm intrigued by the theology of creation course, so, so that's a lot of questions, I guess. Yes. Um, <laughs> well, I can, uh, we have good uh, precedent here because our own um, now St. John Paul II. Yes. Actually, in many of his writings, and in one in particular, his World Day of Peace message mm-hmm. uh, in 1990, he talked about the ecological crisis being a moral crisis. So, fundamentally, it's not, it, you know, we have to have the technology to solve the issues, but underneath it all, it's fundamentally a moral crisis. Mm-hmm. And then Pope Emeritus Benedict echoed those words, and I think we're going to see the same thing from Pope Francis when he comes out with his encyclical on the environment. Right. So it's a moral crisis. I think I get that. Mm-hmm. Is there more? It seems to me, I mean, you said something about that the theology helps us understand the, the environmental issues, but only from a moral point of view? 
actually, you know, even before that, because, and one thing I do in the Theology of Creation class is we actually go back, well, we start with Scripture, so the Genesis counts, and what, and we contrast it with one of the pagan myths at the time, the, um, the Babylonian creation myth, and you can see a real juxtaposition there in terms of how the human person fits in, how the created world fits in, and in the Genesis account, it's a much gentler, creation is good, the human person is good, as opposed to a much more violent uh, account in the, the prevailing pagan myths at the time. Right. But then what we do is we go through the early fathers of the church, and actually a lot of people don't realize this, but the Catholic Church has been interested in creation from the very beginning. Mm-hmm. And some of the early church fathers just have beautiful treatises on creation. Even St. Basil, the sort of patron of our university, a, go- a wonderful treatise on the meaning of the Genesis account and creation and what it means in terms of the goodness of creation and where the human person fits. Right. So it's really been, I think, since the... Enlightenment and probably Descartes, where we began to get this kind of break between that integral understanding of creation and the human person and uh, how, how we operate in the world. And I think that's sort of the beginning of the ecological crisis, if we wanted to trace it back. Okay. So the Catholic Church would say that we're not just talking about the environment, we're talking about creation. I think that tells us something. Exactly, yeah, because creation is actually, it's a theological term. Uh-huh. And even um, Pope Emeritus... Well, it implies that there's a creator. Exactly, uh-huh. exactly. And Pope Emeritus Benedict talks about this, how creation has been concealed. He has a series of homilies that he gave in Germany um, before he was Pope. Mm-hmm. And he talks about three ways that creation has been concealed. And the last word of his book, of these published homilies... Yeah is we will not win the future unless we regain creation. We will not win the future unless we regain creation. Yeah, that's not it. I didn't quote it exactly, but it's pretty much that. What does that mean? Basically, well, he talks about it's been concealed in three ways. So um, one of the ways is in which we've replaced the word creation with nature. Uh, So we've kind of had the scientific concept of nature, um, and we've eliminated the more comprehensive theological concept of creation. A second way, he says, is that we have come to see humans as like the disease of creation, Uh so that we're causing all the problems, and if you just eliminate us, everything will be good. Uh And he's saying that's been a way of concealing the real Uh meaning of creation. Mm -hmm. And then the third way he talks about is almost a theological concealment, where we we just want a spiritual sort of look at it, and we ignore the body. So it's kind of a dualistic. Right. And he's saying, actually, we have to have creation. Creation is the entrance point to theology. So right. first the physical, then the spiritual. So he's saying we have to kind of open up, you know, and reveal these ways of concealment in order to recapture creation. He also talks about the difference between, or the tension between human ecology and Natural, natural ecology. Can you explain that? Yeah, and that's a big thing, and that's where we really need to explore that more, because that's where we're headed with all of this. But, well, natural ecology is what we, most people look of, think of as the ecological sciences. Right. Um, and then human ecology is is uh, that whole, the actual, what is the nature of the human person in this created world as male and female um, what is our proper place in creation? Mm-hmm. How do we treat each other? So it certainly natural ecology involves how humans treat the natural world. But this intersection between human and natural is how we treat each other and the natural world. 
And that encompasses many things, even according to Pope Emeritus Benedict, even sex questions of sexuality, yeah, questions of life, fertility, all of that for him is part of the ecological question. And so that's the kind of thing we can give our students at USC with this, you know, approach. It's a much broader integrated approach. Yeah, does that tension between natural and human ecology also uh, present us with questions I don't, want to, I don't want to say that one is more important than the other, but choice, yeah. save the whales, save the unborn child. Okay, yeah, these, and these are, these are difficult questions, right? Mm-hmm. But, and I think we have to, as Catholics, there is, I mean, we would say that everything has an equal place in terms of the natural law or the being of the thing is good in itself, intrinsically good. Yeah. But if you have to compare you know, between saving the life of a baby, a human child, and that of a whale, uh, and many people don't like to hear this, but in the Catholic tradition, the human baby would have the moral precedence, right? Obviously, we don't want to mistreat animals. No. We don't want to um, unnecessarily destroy, you know, whales or any species. Mm-hmm. So we want to preserve biodiversity, but when it comes down to it, the human person, if we were to kill human persons, as unfortunately we are doing, that has implications for all of creation, where eventually we will not respect creation either. Right. So we have to start with the human person, yeah. and there is a moral priority there. Right. Okay, I don't want to let you go before we talk about the reason why I'm here, okay. um, and why I've been here five times already. <laughs> um, we're working on a, on a special documentary series called Creation. Can you tell us about what that project is about? Yes, yeah, so we're delighted to be working with you, and um, delighted to have you here again. And we're doing a series of at least probably six parts, maybe. We yes. <laughs> yeah, we hope. Maybe more. Yes. And, uh, but we're working on the second part now. The first part we produced, I guess, a couple of years ago. And yes. um, on the whole notion of awe and wonder as the foundation for stewardship. Mm-hmm. So basically, with the documentary series, we're trying to present sort of an integrally Catholic-Christian approach to the environmental question, one that might be an alternative to some of the things that are out in the media. So, on wonder in the first segment as the foundation for stewardship. Now, the second segment is, you know, where does the human person fit in creation? Mm-hmm. And we have, we're looking at it from many different angles. So, a doctor, a dancer, a philosopher, a theologian, gardener, all these yeah. different sort of lenses on what's unique about the human person. Right. And it's very exciting. So, you can find out more about that at saltandlighttv.org slash creation. Um, uh, hopefully, not too far from now, we'll have six half hours and maybe more. Um, Sister Damien, um, I love coming to Houston. I love coming to the University of St. Thomas, and, and working with you has been has been a great pleasure. Um, uh, it has been. It is a great pleasure because we're not done. So thank you for, for spending some time with us today and sharing uh, with us what you do. Thank you, Deacon Pedro. Sister Damien Marie Savino is a Franciscan sister of the Eucharist. She's wearing a full habit, and we love that. She's also an associate professor and the chair of the Department of Environmental Science and Studies at the University of St. Thomas. Here now is our featured artist of the week, Young Apollinar, with Lord Let the University be Honest from his album, Lord, let your mercy be on us as we place our trust in you. Upright is the word of the Lord, his works trustworthy. He loves you. 
saying that. I met Ben a long time ago because we're old. Um, <laughs> I don't know if you remember, we were approaching World Youth Day 2002, um, and we used your song, we used this song, Ale Alleluia, for the one year to World Youth Day Countdown in Toronto. Um, I don't know if you knew but I, I did not know that. Oh, really? Yeah. I, I, I must have asked your permission. Yeah, I'm sure you did. Um, ben is a Texan. He's been involved in music ministry since he was a teenager many years ago. Um, he was part of a group called Sudden Impact. Yes. Um, and then he had a powerful experience that forever changed the direction of his life and music. And I'm very happy that Ben was able to join us here today We're here at Radio Ministry at the Archdiocese of Galveston, Houston Glad to for be this here. special program. Ben, so um, how's it been? It's been going really well. You know, really uh, thankful to be here. Thanks for uh, inviting me. Um, glad to finally hook up. Um, been super involved in the Acts ministry. Okay, I heard about this last night. Acts, uh, adoration, community, theology, service. service. What yeah. is that? So it's a ministry? It's a, it's a, it's a um, ministry. I'm sorry, I'm stumbling over my words. It's a ministry um, that is designed. The reason I believe it, it works so well is because, first of all, it's divided into two sections, men, uh, men okay. retreat and so uh, women retreat. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. No, I, I, so, I, I think it's a good idea. It's, it really it is, and I'm, and I'm gonna and I'm gonna tell you why I'm, I'm really a firm believer in it and how music or music ministry plays a part in this. Um, one of the things that we don't do as guys, I mean, I'm, I, and I'm gonna talk yeah. about the guys, yeah. is that we, you know, we have our own set of struggles. Yes, and so me. Uh, you, I know you never. I don't struggle by nothing. I can tell that, but other guys, Deacon yeah. Pedro, yeah, I already know you. that. Yeah. So I know that um, through the Acts Ministry, it gives us an opportunity to share our struggles, yeah, and put into perspective our struggles along with our faith life. Okay. So it's a. Uh, it's been a great ministry because it has really uh, uplifted our community. It's become yeah. a lot more uh, closer knit. Yeah. And the music 
always get great compliments yeah. on the music. It's, it's not binding. Bad. Your music is not it's, bad. <laughs> it's really it's binding. Well, thanks. <laughs> um, wait, do you only do stuff with the men, or do you do both men? We only do. We only do with the with the men. With the men. And yeah. when you say your community, is it your parish community? Saint Mary of the Miraculous Medal in Texas City. Shout out about <laughs> that. <laughs> Shout out. Okay, so and it's it's a retreat experience, a weekend. It's a great retreat uh, experience. It uh, starts on a Thursday night. Friday, Saturday, okay. and then come back on Sunday, uh, return mass. And I always, uh, whenever we're talking about recruiting, uh, you know, trying to get people to go to the retreat, because, yeah. of course, no one wants to go to a retreat, okay? You you just kind of have I to only went to retreats as a teenager because there were girls going. Well, yeah. That's why I became a musician. <laughs> Hello. Because I knew there's going to be chicks there. Yeah, seriously. Chicks. Okay, I just dated I, myself. That anyway. That is terrible. <laughs> so. That is terrible. That's it. Nobody's going to buy your album now. I know. They're going, this guy's old. Uh, so... <laughs> But the, uh, the the retreat is a great experience, and when I'm trying to inc- when I'm trying to invite people to come to the axe retreat, because yeah. it's I mean you got to give you got to give time off. Yeah. You know they go well. What's what's it about? Well, if I tell you, it's like spoiling a movie. I'm giving you know yeah, I don't spoiler. I don't want to give the spoiler alert. So, but I will tell you this: it is a ch- it is a church retreat. So yeah. We're going to talk about Jesus. We're going to pray. We're going to pray. Okay. And that's and, and we're going to talk about everything else. Yeah. So, you know, I think that's that's about as extensive as I can get. Okay. Now, if I wanted to bring Acts to my parish in Canada, can I do that? Can I go to some website and get information or do my own thing? Absolutely. Does that work? As a matter of fact, if you tapped into the Archdiocese uh, website, yeah, okay. it's got a, a link there for the Acts ministry, and uh, we would be more than happy to take our crew down there to the Axe Ministry. And, okay, um, so good. I'm going to leave, uh, we're going to put that link on our site, but okay. it's archgh.org is the Archdiocese website. Yes. Houston. Yep. Um, so Acts, A-C-T-S, Adoration, Community, Community Theology, Theology and Service. And service. Um, today, today is uh, the March for Life. Today we're taping the show on, on Thursday. We're pre-taping the show in Houston on Thursday, May 8th. It's the National March for Life in Canada today. Oh. They're marching in Ottawa for Life. Um, I know there's, I mean, uh, it sounds silly to say that a Catholic artist is, is pro-life. Of course. Um, but there are a lot of few tracks in your album that are very specifically pro-life. And I know Breaking My Heart, which was the first song we heard, um, there's, a, there's a personal experience. Uh, there's a story behind that. it. Yeah. Sure, thanks. Uh, the, um, several years ago, my uh, daughter was pregnant with our, our first grandchild. Wow. Yeah. When we were, of course, really excited um, it turns out that uh, she had complications, and uh, she called me on the phone saying, "Hey, Dad, um, she went for a regular checkup. I'm on my way to the hospital. The doctor says that uh, I need to get there fast. We get there. The doctor says, uh, "Hey, look, it looks like um, we can't hear the heartbeat mm-hmm. of the baby. So um, we're gonna we're gonna run some more tests." But I'm pretty sure that we're going to have to deliver this baby, and the baby's going to be stillborn. We were all devastated, wow. devastated. The only thing I could think of is that I kept telling my um, my family, my sister, her, I mean my um, my daughter and her husband, and and my kids and my wife. I said, you know, I believe so strongly that God can work a miracle here. I mean, I really do. I mean, who doesn't want a miracle? Jesus raised people from the dead, yeah. you know, everything that we know, everything that we know about Jesus, and that's what I wanted. Mm-hmm. 
we all did. Yeah. Um, of course, the baby, and we all gathered around and we prayed and we prayed for the miracle and the miracle came later. Unfortunately, the, the baby was born, was still born, and it was a very sad day. Um, we had a service at the, um, at the cemetery, and everyone that is associated with acts in our mm-hmm. community mm-hmm. showed up. It was a huge blessing for them to be there at the cemetery. We had all been through the acts commute through the acts uh, through the acts experience, yeah. and they the brothers and sisters that have been there showed up. And so anyway, um, this song came out of that. Uh, you know, we were never going to hear the baby uh, uh, cry. We were never going to hear him hear the baby, uh, never know what, what the dreams are, our dreams for them. We were never going to be able to mm-hmm. see them materialize. And uh, it was, again, heartbreaking, the name of the song, uh, Breaking My Heart. Mm-hmm. And uh, the, th- the uh, miracle came later. Many miracles came up. But one of the things that were really important were that my son-in-law's family, they were not Catholic. Mm-hmm. When they saw the outpouring of support, she decided, I want to be a part of a community that is supporting us in our time of need. Right. And so at that point, uh, that was just one of many miracles. Uh, it hit me up on a, hit me up on Facebook, asked me about it, listen to the song. Yeah. You know, you'll, you'll be able to hear, the, hear what's going on yeah. in there. Yeah, God can make all things new. Yes, he can. What happens. Yeah. Um, we don't have a lot of time left then, but what's new? Anything coming down the pipes? Working on a new album? We're working on a new album. Um, what we, what I found is that uh, some of the songs that we play that other artists do, right? apparently we do them really well. <laughs> Better than that, <laughs> apparently. <laughs> <laughs> we do them a little bit different. So we're doing some remakes of uh, maybe some Matt Marr stuff. Uh, who's yeah. a great artist. Love Matt Marr. He's all right. stage with him. Yeah, he's all right. <laughs> and, then, um, and so it uh, looks like we're uh, also trying to... Um, do some uh, mass parts as well. Uh-huh. Um, so things are always moving in the music business. Okay, you good. know that. Good. Mass parts are good because we, we need good music for mass. Okay. Um, uh, what happened to your website? Website is down because of the social media. So your Facebook, Facebook and Twitter. So you want people to look you up on Facebook. Ben yes. Apollinar, A-P-O-L-I-N-A-R, Apollinar. Yes, that's Facebook, correct. Facebook, like him. On Facebook, I mean. Yeah, send me a tweet. <laughs> send me a tweet. You're you on Twitter? What's I'm your on Twitter as well. Same thing. Ben Apollinar. At Ben Apollinar. Yeah. Okay, good, Ben. We're going to leave it there. Um, so cool to be here. Hey, I love being here. Love. <laughs> Thank you, so It was so short. It's so good. That's it. I need to come to Texas more often. Um, okay, so you heard it. You can you can learn more about Ben Apollinar on Facebook or follow him on Twitter. Um, and you can book him for an event. You can buy his music. Uh, you can do all that uh, through social media. Here he is with another song from that album, Firm, his latest album. The song is called Path of Life. Lord, you will show us the path of life. Lord, you will show us the path of life. God, for in you I take refuge. I say to the Lord, you are my God. My allotted portion and my cup, you are holding. 
Show us the path of life. You will show us. 